hope you had a great Thanksgiving. As I mentioned before, I know that uh, I really had a good one with my family. I uh, watched a lot of football, ate a lot of turkey, took a little nap, had a good time. I don't know about you, what do you think of the uh, Chiefs' chances are today? A little slim. Um, I'm sorry to say, maybe uh, I know Christian kind of threw me under, under the bus one day. I am a Broncos fan, so uh, I'm, I'm a little excited about the game. Uh, my, my son couldn't decide who to cheer for today. You know, I, I had to share a story since it's been Thanksgiving. I wanted to share something that happened at the grocery store. Just the other day, I was, uh, I was at the grocery store, and I was kind of lingering by, you know where they have the frozen turkeys? They're in those, those giant deep freezes, and there's just pile after pile of turkeys. And I saw this lady, and she started rummaging through the turkeys, and I could tell she was uh, a little frustrated. She wasn't quite finding the turkey that she was looking for. She's like, 19, no, 20, no. It just wasn't the turkey size that she was looking for. And there was this stock boy who was standing there, and he was kind of dumping turkeys in. And, and I would say he's 15, 16 years old, and I could tell that chances are he didn't really want to be there that day. He looked like he didn't really want a job, but mom and dad said, guess what? Get a job, go make some money, get out of the house. So he kind of had that bad attitude. I'm sure nothing like, you know, Chase, child, you guys wouldn't work like this at all, right? You guys would be diligent. But they, uh, this guy acted like he didn't want to be there that day. And the lady's looking, you know, I could tell she's really frustrated. Ladies, you know what I mean. You need the perfect turkey, right? The perfect size, it's got to be the right weight. Well, that's exactly what this lady was doing. So... She just couldn't get the weight she was looking for, and she turns to this young man who has a chip on his shoulder, who obviously doesn't want to be at work that day, and she says, uh, do these turkeys get any bigger? Now, you and I know what she meant. Do you have any 25, 26-pounders in there kind of hiding that maybe I can find? And he looks at her and goes, uh, no, ma'am, they're dead. <laughs> and I could, I, I, now... I don't know if he still has a job. Chances are that lady made sure that he didn't. I didn't stick around long enough. I was laughing my head off as I walked down the aisle. I couldn't believe it. So as I thought about, you know, there's really one thing, there's several things, but one very important thing that I'm thankful for in my life, and that is the fact that I've been rescued and I've been redeemed. And, and I want to teach you today, if you're like me several years ago, before I had been in church much, I didn't know what the word redeemed meant. So today, I'm going to help you to understand that when you walk out of here, you're going to have a good understanding of what the word redeemed means. Now, I get a chance to talk to a lot of people about spiritual decisions. I, it's kind of my role. I spend a lot of time talking to people about spiritual matters. And recently, I've talked with a few different folks, and one in particular was pretty close to me. I've known this guy for a long time, and he was really struggling in his life. I mean, I mean struggling so much so that he had developed some severe fears in his life. See, he had done some things recently and 10 years ago that had destroyed his marriage, that had caused him some health problems, some bad choices, that really had wrecked and ruined his life. And so those things were weighing heavy on his heart, so much so that he assumed that everybody around him was always thinking bad about him. He told me, he said, I just know people at my church are thinking, yeah, I remember what he does, and you can't really trust him. He says, people at work treat me weird, and I get these weird phone calls, and he, he, he really had established this deep set of fear, so much so, so that he said, Ryan, 
I'm paranoid about it all the time. I just can't shake it. And I'm going to tell you what came to me as I was talking to him. I'm going to share with you what I shared with him. But I was talking to another guy trying to make a spiritual decision in his life who was overwhelmed by his past, just struggling with a lot of things that he, would, he had done. And he, he had come to me and he said, I want to make a spiritual decision for Christ, but do you mean when I'm forgiven that stuff is just gone? Th- that I'm actually forgiven? And then I talked to another guy who was struggling to understand spiritual matters. And he said, you know what, I got it. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to clean my life up. I'm going to totally clean my life up, and then I'm going to begin a relationship with God. And so there's confusion, and, and my role here at JCI is to help people to grow spiritually. If you see one thing that Jesus left us with, he left us with the fact that we are to go out into the world and make disciples. And so my role here at JCI is to help people to grow into strong disciples for Jesus Christ. And so I, I, I can tell you that I have a burden. I've got a burden on my heart about people understanding what it is that God has done for them. I, I want them to understand why their faith is so important and also that we have so much to be thankful to God for. If you truly understand what he's done for you, you have so much to be thankful for. And I'm burdened about whether or not people understand that, not only to be thankful for it, but do they understand it that they can sit there and go, I'm redeemed. And again, I'm going to help you to understand what that's all about. Well, as I read my book, uh, my Bible, and I actually brought the same Bible I preached in last time. It's the first Bible I ever have, and I, and I love it. I, I, I don't know, maybe there's a little spiritual closeness I have as I read uh, and, and preach from the first Bible that I ever got. But as I read it from Genesis to Revelation, I found there, there's three truths that helped me. Three truths that I think God makes very clear in his word, and they changed my life. And I want to share them with you today because I believe they can, share, they can change your life. Now, if you don't have a Bible, that's okay. We actually have our ushers walk around every week. We do this. If you don't have a Bible, we'll give you one. You could keep it. You can give it back to us. It is yours to keep if you don't have one. But if you would, let's open up our Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And before I read it, I want to tell you, uh, this is kind of our theme verse for today. I want to share with you um, about a man named Paul. His name was Saul, and he was a religious guy. He was a Pharisee, and he, he followed all the rules of religiosity, and he was very strict with it. But something happened when Jesus came and Jesus began to change the world after he died. People were following him, and Paul didn't, Saul at the time, Saul didn't like that much. So much so that he got permission to hunt these people down, these, these people who were following the way. They first became known in, as Christians, we learn in the book of Acts. But he started hunting them down, dragging them out of their house, and having them killed. The Bible tells us he stood there while they stoned Peter with big stones. They crushed, not Peter, excuse me, uh, Stephen, they crushed Stephen's head, and he died, and they said there was Paul watching. Of course, his name was Saul. And then as he was going to persecute more Christians, Jesus appeared to him and said, you know, why are you persecuting me? And obviously, that would do it for me. It did it for Saul. He gave his life to Jesus Christ. His life was forever changed, and he became known as Paul. So when this verse was spoken by Paul in 2 Corinthians 5.17, I think he was saying, this is my life. 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says this. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, 
He's a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. If, if you're like me, I like to underline things in my Bible. That, that's one I have had circled and starred and underlined in my Bible. So those days when you're struggling, you can remember, I'm a new creation. I'm a new creation. But the three things that I want to share with you today from Genesis to Revelation that changed my life, the, the three truths that I think are very clear are this. The first one, very clearly, you've been rescued. You have been rescued because you have such amazing value to God. You have value to God. My kids are the world to me. I think there's a picture of my kids on the screen. There's my, my kids, my daughter Hannah in the middle, my son Mason, my stud, uh, my, my daughter uh, Sophie, and the little one Faith. And they mean the world to me. The, my, my wife and I created them. Took a lot of practice, dear. My, my my wife and I created them, and they have so much value to us. And the Bible tells us that you and I are God's creation. We t it tells us in Genesis chapter 1, at the beginning of the Bible, Genesis 1.27, it says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female. He created them. So we have great value to God because he created us. But then what we see happen just two chapters later in the book of Genesis we see this separation in the relationship between us and God. Sin entered into the world. Adam and Eve were tempted. And instead of going, wait a minute, let's think. No, God told us not to do that. Let me obey. They, they fell. They had a weak moment, and they fell. And the, the relationship has, has, has never been the same until Jesus. But, but sin caused this great chasm between the two of us, between God and man. Paul goes, if we fast forward to the New Testament, in Romans 6.23, in the first half of the verse, I'm going to share the second half with you in a moment, but in the first half of the book, it says, for the wages, or the payment that's due, if you work, you have a job, you get wages, that's payment due to you, for the wages of sin is death, spiritual death. And so we see that there was this great cost that had to be settled between God and man. And, and it was far too great for you or I to be able to fill that chasm on our own. There was this fiscal cliff that we hear about all the time. It was far too big. And, and us on our own, we weren't, we weren't able to do it. We needed a rescuer. Uh, how many of you have ever been rescued? How many of you have ever rescued someone? Uh, there was a lady in Kansas City who, in my book, is a hero. Uh, two weeks ago, I guess... It was a mother of five. She's in her car. It's early in the morning, and she's taking her kids either to the babysitter or to, the, to school. I don't remember which. But she's driving along, and she notices this teenage girl along the side of the road walking. And not far behind her, she sees another guy who all of a sudden is closing on this young girl. And she says, something's wrong here. So she starts to slow down, and she keeps her eye on it in the rearview mirror. And sure enough, that guy grabs the girl and starts dragging her off into the woods. True story. It was on the news. She slams on her brakes, puts it in park, and I can just see it now. That mom of five rolls down her window and starts screaming, You get away from her. You get away from her. And sure enough, it startles the guy. I'm sure he's freaked out thinking no one saw. He lets go of her and takes off into the woods. And there was a manhunt. I don't know that they have found the guy, but he took off. That girl's life, she was rescued. Her life is forever changed because that woman took interest and said, no way. 
leave that girl alone. That girl was rescued. And I don't know about you, maybe it's, maybe it's growing up watching Superman, growing up watching Batman, but I've always wanted to rescue someone. On TV, you see people that they dive into a, an, an icy lake and go swim and save somebody. You see people jumping in front of cars. And maybe I'm weird, but I think sometimes I'll be with my kids. I'm not always trusted in the parking lot. Dads, any of you not trusted in the parking lot with your kids? Uh, your, your wife's like, no, hold their hands. And so I, I, as I'm walking in Walmart parking lot or wherever, I've got these scenarios like, okay, if that car backs out, I'm going to like dive in front of it and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to save the day. Or if someone comes breaking in my home, I'm going to rush down there, kick them in the face, and I mean, I'm going I'm to rescue and save the day. I think we have that tendency to want to be a rescuer. Uh, but we needed a rescuer, someone to pay this high price for us. Uh, and the Bible tells us, and I want to teach you again, the Bible tells us that we needed a redeemer. And that word redeem, you see it there on your sermon notes, says to buy or to pay off. To rescue, uh, deliverance from sin. And we see this theme, as you read your Bible, you'll see this theme of redemption and ransom and rescue all throughout Scripture. And we have, we have so much value to, the, to God that even when we were the ones that broke the relationship because sin entered the world, even when it was our fault, God thought enough of us to offer up his own son to restore that relationship, to bring peace between God and us. Now, how many of you have ever, how many of you ever have strained a relationship? You've, you've done something that has strained a relationship. Well, we know that in order for a relationship to be reconciled, because there needs to be a reconciliation, there has to be forgiveness. There has to be a forgiveness to, in order for that relationship to be restored. Well, fortunately, as we read the Bible, we see that Jesus is the one that paid the price. He was the rescuer. He was the one who paid the price for you and I. Now, Romans 6.23, the second half. This was almost my message title, but I thought better of it. I'm sure my wife would have said, no way. The message title that I had was the best but in the Bible. Now, again, I don't know that that was going to go real well. It might have, sorry, offended some people. But Romans 6.23, the best but in the Bible says this, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. That is the greatest thing you can ever read. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Thank goodness. Speaking of Jesus, you see Galatians 4.5. Galatians 4.5 says this, God sent him to buy freedom for us. Did you hear that? God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law, slaves to sin, so that he could adopt us as his very own children. Jesus paid the price for my redemption. Uh, I'm now reconciled. My relationship with God is now reconciled because of what Jesus did for me. He paid the penalty for my death, or for my sin. He paid the penalty of the, of the sin that I deserved, the, the penalty that I deserved, Jesus paid the price. I can say without a shadow of a doubt, I'm redeemed. There's no more debt that's owed for Ryan Holt. I am paid in full because Jesus redeemed me. That longtime friend of mine that I told you about at the beginning, who was struggling with deep fears of what people thought and how his life was perceived and this paranoia that literally, literally was nearly causing a psychosis for him. He was so, so struggling with him. I literally, I looked over to him. It occurred to me in that moment, I was so thankful. I was praying, God, give me some words. Let me help my friend here, please. And I looked over and I said, 
I said, guess what? You're redeemed. He, he had come to Christ several years before, but had st- still struggled with some, with some continuing sin. He had still struggled with, with some past things haunting his life. I looked over to him and I said, you're redeemed. I said, you could stand in front of the entire church and literally tell them everything. I said, who cares what you've done? Who cares about your past? You're redeemed. It is gone. It's no longer over you. There's no condemnation. I said, it's forgiven. And you could see this weight. It was like it clicked to him. I don't know, for some reason, he had not quite put it together that he was forgiven, that he had been paid for. That's why I love that song. Just about five or six weeks ago, for the first time, I heard that Big Daddy Weave song. And I said, that's it. I'd been thinking about how I wanted to, to share with people. And I wanted to, uh, to, to get my message across. And I knew there were certain truths that I wanted to share. But when I heard that song, I said, Danielle, we have got to have someone sing that song. And I was so thankful to hear Leslie sing that this morning. Leslie sang at Heather and I's wedding when she was 15, almost 14 years ago. It's so great to continue to hear her, her sing. But as I heard Big Daddy Weave's song, as I heard that, you're redeemed. You've been rescued. As I look at the second truth that I see clearly in Genesis to Revelation, it's the fact that you and I have been washed. We've been washed. You, uh, you, you're vic- you have victory over the sins in your past because they're gone. Your sins are forgiven. Uh, look back at 2 Corinthians 5.17 again. Remember what it said. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now, I learned a word several years ago in seminary, and it's the word called justification. It's a fancy word, but I want to I share with you this morning how, again, I can teach you. You'll have some spiritual growth today. You will better understand. Justification means innocence. God now sees you. If you have Christ in your life, you've been forgiven. God now sees you. He's looking down from heaven, and he sees you just as if you never sinned. Do you get that? Justification equals innocent. Innocence. He sees you as if you've done nothing. That is how he sees you. And I want you to take that home. You've been washed. Totally clean. Was it, was it Sophie saying, Sophie last night as I was talking to her, she was talking about, she knows that Jesus' blood washed our sins away. She literally last night said, how does Jesus wash everybody? Meaning, how, she meant, how does he do it all? How does he like, wash everybody's heart it it was like hard for her to grasp that jesus could do that and of course she didn't quite understand spiritually speaking she thought he literally like washed every every single person who's a believer washed every heart i remember that it was so profound from her last night but justification god now sees you just as if you've never sinned he sees you as a new person the show that i like to watch and i I am watching a little while but we were watching it quite a bit for the uh, while is the, the show biggest loser People will go on the show, and of course, they're really struggling with their health. Some of them, you know, they're overcoming some emotional challenges. And many of them, of course, they have hundreds of pounds to lose, and they work their tail off. I mean, I'm I'm telling you, I don't know that I could do half their workouts. I I think we work out sometimes hard in the old basement, but I'm not so sure I could handle what some of these people go through. But when they get done, months go by, and they have kind of like the revealing with their family, they are like, wow, this is a new person. They look 
totally different. They look transformed. It is a, almost a brand new creation that walks through the doors because of the, the amazing transformation that's occurred in them physically and sometimes emotionally as well. Uh, I want to ask you today, do you look like a brand new Christian? Do you look like a brand new person since you've given your life to Christ? Do people come up to you that maybe you haven't, you haven't seen in a while, maybe in 10 years, maybe a high school friend, maybe someone you worked with 20 years ago, do they see you and go, there's something brand new about you. What is it? You're, you're kinder? You're more patient? You're, you're loving? You've got a joy in you that I've never, I haven't seen in you before. Do you look like a brand new person since becoming a Christian? And I want you to think about that today because you, you've been washed. And again, that song, Big Daddy Weave, the line that may be connected with you like it connected to me, I'm not who I used to be. I'm not who I used to be. And, and I think Paul, knowing what he had done, knowing the persecution that he had done against Christians, the, the lives that he had destroyed early in the Christian church, I think he, was, I think he would have said amen to that if he'd heard that Big Daddy Weave song. First uh, Timothy chapter 1, 15 and 16, he says this. He's telling Timothy, he says, This is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I'm the worst of them all. But God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst of sinners. Then others will realize that they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. Do you realize that your life is a testimony? At least it should be. The, the fact that you were who you were and you now are who you are in Christ, sh there should be some differences. And I'm not saying you have to be an, an ax murderer or, you know, I used to do all these horrible, horrible things, but there should be some difference in your life since you came to Christ. I look at my life and I'm so thankful. Even on a morning like today, I can, I can look in the mirror and I can begin to have thoughts of, what are you doing? You're not even close to worthy to go speak to God's people. Who are you to try to help people with spiritual growth? And I have to remind myself, I've been washed. I'm not, I'm not who I used to be. That's not who I am anymore. Uh, I'm, I'm now a better husband. I'm now a better father. I'm now a, a person we've talked about, you know, we talked about finances the last few weeks. I'm now a better giver. I, I used to be like, no, I'm not going to give or help anyone. We now, obviously, it's just without question that we would give 10% and then some when we see other people in need because that's what God would want us to do. I'm thankful that I'm not the stingy, drunk, scumbag womanizer that I was. Forgive my, my French, but that's who I was. I'm thankful that I'm not who I used to be. You know, when I graduated college, Heather and I met in college, when I graduated, I was in the business world. I went into the ministry about eight and a half years ago, but I was in the business world about nine years. In my first job out of college, I got one of those jobs where I had to wear a suit every day. I mean, I had to wear a suit, I had to wear a starched collar, I had to wear a tie, and I got in and out. I traveled the whole state of Missouri. My territory, they're like, oh, hey, here you go, rookie. You got the state of Missouri. So I, I traveled the whole state. I had like 200 clients that I'd have to go visit. So in and out of the car all day long. And you, you all know it gets a little warm in Missouri in the summer. And um, so I'm getting in and out of the car, and I'm sweating. Well, I think I'm doing a good job. I go home at the end of a week of travels, and I take my, my, my shirt off, and I toss it in the pile. 
And then I would, you know, like Friday afternoon, I would take it into the dry cleaners to get it starched. Well, after a couple of months, I started noticing like this bad ring around the collar. And then, of course, you know, I was like pitting out here on the, I was like, what? This is disgusting. What's wrong with these shirts? And then someone said, now you're washing them before you take them to the dry cleaners to get pressed, right? Uh, yeah, 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 I am, actually. I didn't know that. I thought they would do, I thought dry cleaners. I thought they were washing them for me and then pressing them. I didn't know that. I, you know, I was a dumb kid. I graduated college at 21, so I didn't know. I, someone failed to give me that class. That was not a three-hour credit. <laughs> Wash your stuff before you take it. So needless to say, I washed it, and I was clean. And I thought about that. It was like this in my life. At that same time, I would have told you that I was a Christian, but I was not. I had religion in my head. I would have said, yeah, I'm an American. I'm a Christian. But it wasn't in my heart. I looked good on the outside. I had my suit on. I looked like a, you know, a nice churchgoer guy. But nothing was washed on the inside. I had ring around the collar in my spirit and in my life. So when I gave my life to Christ, my sins were washed away. All those stains were gone. You know, one thing that was neat as I wrote this message is I thought about person after person who I have seen their lives be washed. I mean, literally, they have been transformed. People that I've gotten a chance to walk with, lead to the Lord, see, just get some real junk out of their life, things that they struggled with. It has been awesome to see person after person literally become a brand new person, a brand new creation, better husbands, better, better employees, it's been amazing as I thought about him. I almost cried as I just thought, thank you, Lord, for these people's lives have been transformed. You know, as I thought about it, you don't have to struggle anymore with the same, perhaps, struggles, the same sins that you've, you've struggled with for years and years. This friend of mine was doing that. This other friend of mine, they, they just were struggling. They're like, I can't overcome. Listen to what Paul says. Listen to what Paul says in Romans chapter 7, verse 24. He says, oh, what a miserable person I am. I mean, he knew he had struggles. He, he, he was a sinner like the rest of us. He said, who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Then he gave the answer. Thank God, the answer is Jesus Christ our Lord. You can have victory in your life. You can know that you're washed when you have the Holy Spirit leading you. But you've got to have the Holy Spirit leading you. See, if I'm, if I'm going to live my life and have a bunch of junk in it, and when I mean by junk, I mean sinful things, immoral activities, or really things that don't give me any purpose, any strength, any moral compass whatsoever in my life. I can tell you what, I'm going to be, I'm going to be weak spiritually. Uh, I, I'm not going to have any victory in my life. There's not going to be any fruit for God if I'm, in a sense, filling up on spiritual junk food. Now, I, I brought a Kit Kat bar this morning. And uh, I'm, I'm going to just tell you, I like junk food. And I'll, I'll just, there, I said it. Okay, I, I said it. I, I, I like junk food. Now, I was going to down all of this this morning because I want to just kind of give a little illustration. But as I practice my message, I can tell you that I nearly died because um, uh, I'm going for the world record to see how quick that I can slam this Kit Kat bar down. There, there was a, a number of 24 seconds, and I was trying to beat it. So literally, I was cramming this baby down. Well, these are wafers. It's like almost like a saltine under there. And it didn't go so well. I can remember 
I, I preached the message on Monday to the staff, and they're looking at me like, is he, is he okay? Do we have to come over there? So under some advisement, I've gone with a half of a Kit Kat because it just it didn't, uh, it didn't look so well. So do we have like an official timekeeper here? Let's see how quick I can get down a half. I'm sorry to disappoint. I was going to nail down a, a whole one, but again, it didn't go so well. So uh, I see the clock here. I'm going to go for it right now. Okay. I'm going to so you start off good the other day, and then about now, it's just real hard. Okay, so it's in, but I haven't swallowed it yet. And I gotta get there. This is good, by the way. I don't recommend you eat it. It's really bad for you. Okay, that was really slow. I, I failed. Now, that tasted good. I got, I got kind of a quick fix to my hunger. I like to eat a lot. Too, too much. Now, that's satisfying for a brief time. But there's a whole lot of sugar in it. And it, you know, by the end of the message, you won't be asleep, but I might be asleep. It might hit me like that. Because obviously sugar's not good for you. And I thought about it, just like sin. It's kind of fun for a while. It's kind of fun for a while. And then, consequences and guilt set in, and you're like, oh, I wasn't going to do that anymore. Well, why did I give in again? I said I wasn't ever going to do that again. And I, and I thought about it, just like that Kit Kat bar, Kit Kat bar it kind of satisfied for a moment. I, I, I feel kind of good right now, but I won't feel good later because I, I really I crash after a lot of sugar. And so I thought about my, I'm going to fall on my face spiritually when I have that kind of diet, when I'm, I'm, I'm taking in junk. I have to, if I want to live like a person who's washed and I want to stay clean, I need the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. I need the Holy Spirit to lead me as a follower of Jesus. And let's face it, how do I do that? As I read my Bible, I'm filled with God's Holy Spirit. As I spend time and pray, I'm filled with God's Holy Spirit. As I strive to overcome temptation, as I strive to live as holy of a life as I can, guess what? I'm strong. I've got the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. Listen to Romans 8, 5. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. When you live with the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, you can continue to live washed. You can, you can be clean. You can be strong. You can have victory. So don't live on spiritual Kit Kats. Uh, the third thing that I want to share with you that I learned as I read my Bible, because you've got to do that, as I read from Genesis to Revelation, I saw that the Bible tells us that he has a plan for our life. He, he has a vision for our lives. If you, if you look at the stories in the Bible, you see story after story of how God used people to accomplish great things. You see in, in Genesis chapter 12 that God led Abraham to leave Ur and go to the promised land, and he led them along the way. You see in, in Genesis chapter 6 that God led Noah to build the ark. You see in uh, Genesis chapter 41 that God led Joseph through a bunch of trials, a bunch of things that I don't know about you, but I would never want to have to face. And what happened at the end of it, as God continued to lead him, he ends up the second in command of all of Egypt. We know that in 1 Kings chapter 6, God led uh, Solomon to build the, his temple, and so on and so on. And my, my point as I read that is like, God's got a plan 
for my life. And God has a plan for your life. And there's a, a verse that I want to share with you. In Jeremiah 29, 11, God is talking to his people. He's saying, I haven't forgotten about you. I'm going to be with you. And I've got a plan for you. So as I read this verse, I want you to enter in. Now, we can go, well, he was talking to them. Guess what? He was talking to God's people. And here it says in Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, God's people. They're plans for good and not for disaster, to give you, God's people, a future and hope. And so let me ask you, what, what are you going to do for him? What do you think God's plan is for you, and, and, and what are you doing about it? If God was to write a story, an account in the Bible of Journey Church International, because if you look at the Bible, he includes names of people. Hey, and so-and-so, so-and-so, and so-and-so did this. So if he was to have a section in there on Journey Church International, he was listing, and so-and-so didn't help us with this, and so-and-so solved a crisis this morning with the sound, and yay God for that. Um, you know, if, if, what would it say? Would, would, you, would you be listed? Not, not that we do it for our glory, but what is it that you would do? Would, would you be involved in that plan that you're a part of? And, and I understand. I've been maybe where you're at in the sense of this. I'm not equipped. Who am I to do anything? I'm, I'm not ready. Now, other spiritual greats in the Bible had similar thoughts. Moses. I think Moses is one that we can look at and go, man, I'm with you. And, and he was, of course, there out in the desert, and God appeared to him in the burning bush. And they have this little dialogue. And Moses is struggling about what God is. God's like, okay, now, you know that mean, nasty Pharaoh guy? I need you to go over there and just tell him to cut it out, free the people, and just, you know, go about your day. Go get it like a Dairy Queen afterwards. He's like, I don't know about that. So he's a little frustrated. Look at Exodus chapter 4, 10 and 11. But Moses pleaded with the Lord. Oh, Lord, I'm, I'm not very good with words. All God's people said amen, right? It's not easy to talk or defend your faith. I never have been, and I'm not now. Even though you have spoken to me, I get tongue-tied, and my, my words get tangled. Verse 11, then the Lord asked Moses, who makes a person's mouth? Who decides whether people speak or do not speak, hear or do not hear, see or do not see? Is it not I, the Lord? Like, uh, come on, who are you talking to here? I've literally, for a while, had some friends and family really doubting God in a lot of things. Like, they were having str struggles with creation and struggles with the enormity and I said who are we talking about here we're, we're, I think we're talking about God right God can handle that and so God says in verse 12 oh there's 12 verses there. now go I will be with you as you speak and I will instruct you in what to say so you've got to realize God's going to lead you in what you do God's going to speak through you and as we see later in this text this exchange between God and Moses guess what Moses is still kind of hedging like I don't know God says, okay, I'm going to send someone to help you. And he sends his brother Aaron. So you've got to realize, guess what God may very well do in your life? God's going to bring someone to walk with you. Not only is he going to speak through you and lead you, but he's going to bring someone to uh, talk uh, and help you through the situation. That's why it's so important that each of you get involved in volunteering in some fashion. Why? Because you're not volunteering by yourself. You're volunteering with a group of people 
that you'll sharpen each other, you'll encourage each other. Most of the men that years ago that I early in the morning was volunteering and Saturdays and different things, guess what? We've all, we've all grown in our faith, we've all accomplished things, and most of us are now in full-time ministry serving God. Now, I'm not saying that everyone has to get to that crescendo, but don't, wouldn't you like to be in five years or ten years right in the midst of God's will for your life because you started somewhere? You started somewhere volunteering? How about this? We have small groups at this church for similar reasons so that you'll have not only opportunities to grow spiritually, but you'll have opportunities to make friends who will then say, hey, do you want to come with us this weekend and volunteer? Hey, do you want to, like Sunday, let's show up early and help the setup team. Do you want to be great? Meaning you're going to have people just like Moses had Aaron. If you don't get entered into one of those things, you, you may struggle, and, and, and who knows if Moses would have ever gone to free the Israelites if Aaron hadn't gone with him. So maybe you might not accomplish anything unless you get around some people who are going to go with you. So thank goodness that we have those mechanisms in place to help you grow spiritually. And I say amen to this. Thank goodness the Bible tells us that God isn't done with us yet. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6 tells me, it's one of my favorite verses in the Bible for the context of what he's saying here. This was, guess, what, guess who Paul was saying this to? A new church plant a new church like us. He wrote this to the church in Philippi, which he started with three people. In Acts chapter, you don't believe me? No, you believe me. Acts chapter 16, Acts chapter 16, you can read about it. Acts chapter 16, you'll see that he went and met a a group of women who were praying. One of them was Lydia. Lydia became a follower of Jesus. She helped start the church in Philippi. One of them was the jailer who was gonna kill himself, and Paul said, whoa, Don't do that. He led him, his family, to Jesus Christ. He was a part of the church at Philippi. And then a slave girl who was following him around, and and Paul got kind of tired and was like, cast a demon out of her, and she became a follower of Christ. And these are the starters of the church of Philippi. And so he's writing this letter to them, just like I believe it speaks to us today. He says this, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you, Lord, that you're not done with me. Thank goodness that I'm going to get to be even a better father. I'm going to be a better husband. I'm going to be hopefully a better follower of Jesus Christ as God continues to work in me as I stay close to him, as the Holy Spirit leads me. I'm looking forward to continuing to be more and more of of a person who hopefully to the world looks like Jesus. You realize that's the goal of your life, right? To be a follower of him, you want to look more and more like him. He loved people. He cared for people. That's what we want to look like. So if I'm redeemed, how shall I live? It kind of leads into my next, my final stage of point number three. If, if I'm redeemed, how shall I live? And we see in 1 John 2, 6, it says, Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. What a profound verse. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. So number one, I I should love him and I should love others. 1 John 3, 18, dear children, let's let's not merely say that we love each other. Let's show it by our actions. You know, some of the greatest stories that I've heard out of Hurricane Sandy, the tragedy that it was, was people saying, wow, our community came together. People were caring for each other. People were driving in from other states. I mean, we see that. That is loving on people. That is helping others. The second thing is I should obey. 
And I want to warn you before I read these verses, these are some of the most profound verses of the Bible. So you may want to circle these or write these down. Some of the boldest verses in the Bible. First John chapter 2, 3 through 6. Listen to what it says. And we can be sure that we know him if. Did you get that? We can be sure that we know him if we obey his commandments. If someone claims I know God but doesn't obey God's commandments, that person is a liar and is not living in the truth. But those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. That is how we know we are living in him. So if we're to obey him, what are we to do? Well, as we look through the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, we see these. God tells us, God commands us, God tells us that we should love others. God tells us that we should forgive. The Lord's Prayer itself says, you know, forgive as I forgive others. He's going to forgive me like I forgive other people. So I'm commanded to forgive. God tells us to evangelize and make disciples. God tells us to give. We heard that in the last several weeks. God tells us to serve, and God tells us to imitate his son. So how should I live? I should obey his commandments. And thirdly, I should serve him. James 2.20, one of those other, I mean, if you, if you read your Bible, you'll see some real powerful text that will shape your life. I was texting back and forth yesterday with a, with a family member who's going through some tr- struggles, and I just kind of gave him verse after verse of things that have shaped my life. Because right now where he's at and where I was 15 years ago are not in two big a different places. And I just said, look, this, this, and this will help you. James 2.20 says this, But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? It means our faith without any action behind it, without any real acting like Christ, it, it looks dead. So let me ask you, what are your actions? You know, what are, the, what are the works since you've been rescued? Now, I can stand here today and say I'm redeemed. And I want to I I close um, with a verse from Revelation chapter 5, verse 9. Revelation 5, 9 says this, And they sang a new song with these words, You are worthy to take the scroll and to break its seal and open it. Speaking of Jesus in the book of Revelation. For you were slaughtered, and your blood has ransomed people for God from every tribe, every language, every people, and every nation. Amen. You've been redeemed from Genesis to Revelation. Three amazing truths that changed my life, and I know they can change yours. I want to close with a story that occurred 25 years ago. I know where I was 25 years ago while this was happening. Amy Zerby, who was up here Uh, uh, singing today. I was actually at her stepbrother's house 25 years ago when this event was happening in our nation. Um, I was 13 years old, and uh, we were at a a friend's house, and the whole world was watching this on television. This young 18-month-old girl in Midland, Texas, had fallen into a well. Some of you remember it. The entire nation watched as they tried to freeze baby Jessica. And they did everything they could. They uh, literally, everything shut down to focus on freeing this girl. And for a couple of days straight, they brought in wells. They were trying to figure out, because when she fell down 58 feet down a well, I thought of that. I can't even imagine if that happened to my daughter Faith or, or anyone. And of course, she got pinned in such a way where she was pretty helpless. And they, they had her singing nursery rhymes. They were trying to soothe her. Well, at, on the third day, 
On the third day, they had drilled a well parallel, and of course they were afraid that it might cave in. They were worried about if something happened, there would be nothing they could do. They couldn't get her out quick enough. And, and we'd been watching for hours. And by then, you know, I'm sure we had like 72 Cokes, you know, as teenagers. And I'm thinking, i got to go to the bathroom. But I don't want to miss this because I just know as soon as I go to the rescue, they're going to pull her out. And it got to where I'm like, I can't wait anymore. i got to go. So I run to the restroom, and sure enough, I'm in there, and he goes, they got her! I'm like, Ugh! I come out, and of course, they're rushing her out, but I missed it. Now, fortunately, of course, they replayed it like 92 times over the next couple of hours, so I didn't miss it. But the live moment, I'd been literally, here we are, teenagers watching, I don't know what it was at the time, CNN or something, just nonstop. But that girl's life, she could not get out on her own. She was trapped. She was stuck. She needed rescue. And she was rescued. And now, 25 years later, she's married and she has two kids. And her life is forever changed because of what happened. You know, some of you here today, some of you here today need to be rescued. You need to be redeemed. And you need to be made new. And as I thought about it, I, I, I put together some next steps today that I want you to take a look at your sermon notes. And as we close, I want you to focus on these. Today, the next steps for some of you here in this room as you thought about it saying, this is me. You've connected with my heart this morning. Number one is you need to get redeemed. Don't wait. Literally, don't wait. Give your life to Jesus today. And secondly, live thankfully for what Jesus has done for you. Live thankfully knowing what, what he has done in your life. And third, some of you today, maybe you're redeemed, you're rescued, you're new, you're living for God, but you needed to realize there are other people who need rescued. There are other people around you that need someone to invite them to jump in front of that moving car and say, do you want to come to church with me? Do you want to, you want to check it out? Just, want to, just got a group of people that enjoy coming and worshiping God together. You want to come? Somebody you know needs rescued. So before I close, before I have you bow your heads in prayer, I want, to, I want to just look all of you in the eye this morning and say, I don't know where you're at spiritually, but God does. God knows your hearts this morning. He knows which one of you came in here this morning that says, you know what? I'm not redeemed. I haven't been rescued. I want to. And I've done some stuff that I'm not proud of. And you don't have to tell it to me. You don't have to tell it to anybody. You just got to confess it to God and say, God, forgive me. I need you. I, I want to turn away from that stuff because that's what I had to do. I, I was knee-deep in junk, and I had to say, I don't want that anymore. I'm going to turn my back on that. I need you, God. And I started walking towards him. And then he, he, he changed my life. And, and you can do that in a moment here. You can just say, God, come into my life. I, I need you. I, I, I'm empty. I need you to rescue me. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you this morning, it's only you and God right now. You can say this prayer. The, the words don't change your life. The words don't save you. But your heart connecting with God in this moment sincerely and with all of your heart are what changes you spiritually. Father, I thank you today that there are those here that they need Jesus today. They need to be rescued. And Lord, I pray that when I say this prayer in a moment, that whoever that is, they would, with an open heart, say that prayer to you. And if you're here this morning, right now, you can follow me and you can, you can say this prayer to God. Dear God, 
I need rescued. Forgive me, Lord, of my sins. Come into my life and save me. I need you, Lord. Thank you for loving me. I turn from my sins. I give my life to you. And Father, there are others here today who are living perhaps like that longtime friend of mine. Lord, who's struggling with some, some difficulty, some paranoia, some guilt, some fear of their life. And Lord, they need you to remind them that they're redeemed. They've been washed. They can live in victory. They can live knowing they've been rescued. Father, we thank you. And with every head bowed before we close today, literally with every head bowed except for you, if you're here today and today you know you've been rescued, today was the day you gave your life to Christ, just between you and I and God right now, can I just see your hand to know and I would be glad to walk with you over the next days. If that's you, just right now, raise your hand if you today prayed to ask God to rescue you. Anyone. Don't be afraid. It's just, it's just you, me, and God. Father, thank you for today. We love you. I pray that, that no one would leave here without knowing that they've been redeemed and without accepting that free gift of eternal life, that free rescue. Lord, we love you. Thank you for all that you do. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.